listening to Infertility and Beyond. We are your hosts, Amy and Sasha. For us, it has not been easy trying to conceive. Come join us on this journey as we talk all things infertility, share our stories and the stories of others, bring you information surrounding fertility treatments, grief, and everything in between. We are here to connect and empower women as they navigate all things infertility and beyond. Let's get into today's episode. Today we are chatting with the lovely Michaela Bradley. Michaela has a very unique story. When she was 15, she was experiencing very heavy periods and thought she could possibly have endometriosis. However, her actual diagnosis is something she never thought was possible. After a pap smear, she was diagnosed with having two uteruses. After finding out, she felt very ashamed and uneducated about the female anatomy to the point that she didn't even feel comfortable telling her mum. When she was having her really heavy periods, it was essentially because she was experiencing two menstrual cycles and later come to realize that she even lost her virginity twice. In 2017, at 21 years old, she was then told she had two cervixes as well. After some time of trying to conceive, she started seeing a fertility specialist through the public system where they then found out she also had low AMH and had underactive thyroid. This story is different to any of the other special guests we have had so far, and we learned so much. Thank you so much for sharing, Michaela. Before we get into today's episode, we have Ashley with our Fertility Fact of the Week. Hey guys. So, this fact is about men. So, men have a biological clock too. Just as women have a harder time getting pregnant as they age, men also face higher rates of infertility past the age of 40, with lower sperm count and quality. For those who partners are able to conceive, they are at a higher risk for miscarrying. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I didn't know that because I feel like there's like such a stigma going around that like men can make babies for whenever. Like, you know, when you partners like a dating and stuff. Yeah. Like, oh, well, he's, he's older. It's, it's the woman that is running out of time. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah the cost always on the women, women, but you know, men have yeah. to. Yeah. Men Pressure's on. Boys. Pressure's on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the podcast, Michaela. Thank you so much for coming on today. Hi. We're so excited to hear from you and um, listen to your story. Um, do you want to start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Hi, my name is Michaela. I'm 28 years old. I live in Springfield Lake. So I moved over here a few years ago from the Redlands. So big change, a lot going on. Um, so basically my situation is pretty unique. Um In 2009, when I was 15, I found out that I had two uteruses. Um, So I was having some kind of stomach issues and I didn't know what to do. So I went to the doctor. They got me to get an ultrasound and I was just laying there. And the lady said, oh, you are special. (laughs) And I said, what? And she said, you've got two uteruses. And I was like 15 and I was like, oh, okay, so how many are you supposed to have? And she said... Yeah, I was going to say, at 15, did you even really know much about uteruses in general? Not really, because, oh, like, not, yeah, not really. Like, I found sex ed at school was shocking. It was like, don't have sex or you'll die. Oh, yeah, they don't go into any reproductive information whatsoever. No, so, yeah, I was really confused about how many uteruses you were supposed to have. And so, yeah, she's like you're only meant to have one and then I don't know I guess at 15 like I felt like a freak show like I was like okay I'm this person who doesn't have the normal anatomy of you know somebody else so I didn't tell anyone except for my first boyfriend and my best friend so I literally I had no idea what to do and like you know the appointment that I was sitting in there when they, when I went over it with the doctor, they're just like, you know, like I, I don't think that they took it as serious because I was young and I wasn't trying to conceive. And so it was just like, okay, so maybe one day when you have babies, you're, you've got two uteruses, it'll be a high-risk pregnancy. There are chances of like high-risk of miscarriages or ectopic, ectopic pregnancies. Um, so I was just like, okay like I've always wanted to be a mum but obviously at that age I wasn't even thinking about that um 
I was Can just I ask scared. as well? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry okay. to interrupt. Um, I was just going to say, did you what did you get your period or your menstrual cycle around fifteen, or did you get it earlier? Like, um, I was about thirteen, so I think I just oh, okay. turned thirteen. So I, when I was about fifteen ish, probably before I found out about my the two uteruses. So mm-hmm. my mum was always like, oh, like if you want like you can try use a tampon so I was like okay I just thought I couldn't use it and obviously I couldn't get mum to do it for me like so she got me like the ones that like um that can help like you don't have to touch a tampon it just has a cardboard on the end of it tampax I think it is and so I just there was blood still and I was like I don't know what I'm doing so I just reverted back to pads and just went on with my day I didn't even put two and two together um, so question that's really interesting so when you said you still have blood was that because of the second like uh, like was a different menstrual kind of yeah. like were you menstruating from both like is that how it kind of worked or yeah so at that stage I didn't realize at the before. point that yeah this is before I further like got further into it mm-hmm. so I was just really yeah so at this point I knew nothing I was too scared yeah. to look it up I didn't really have the access where I was and I mean, obviously I was supervised and whatever. I didn't, so I didn't know. Um, All I just remember was that I felt like a freak show. And then um, when I was with my second boyfriend, like I didn't know this, but I actually had lost my virginity twice. So, which is so crazy to even say and think. Um, But yeah, after intercourse one night, I was just bleeding everywhere and I was freaking out. My, I called my best friend. I was like, Christy, you have to come over right now. I don't know what's going on. So I was like, have a look because I can't. I don't know what it is. And so I kind of just kept it to myself, continue on with life. And then um, when I was 21, so in 2016, um, I, went on, I went in for a pap smear. I, I'd had pap smears before and it was, I didn't say anything, but I told the doctor just randomly, I don't even know where it come from, but I was like, oh yeah, like I have two uteruses. Like, I think I was just more curious by that stage. And she asked me all these questions. She's like, do you have another cervix? And I'm like, what's a cervix? Like, I haven't even done any of this research. What? Can you tell me? (laughs) Um, So I couldn't give her any more information that she wanted. So she sent me off for an ultrasound um, and I went in there and she's like, oh, I can just see the two uteruses. Um, but then at the very end of the ultrasound, she's like, oh, wait, like there's another cervix here to, to my left. And I was like, oh, okay, like what, what does that mean? And she's like, yeah, well, well, what are the chances? Yeah. And I was like, okay, like well, how how many kidneys do I have? How many ovaries do I have? And um, she's like, oh, you've just got like the normal set type thing. I'm like, what's normal? (laughs) Um, But yeah, so basically she did all the measurements of it and everything like that and sent it to my doctor. And yeah, I was diagnosed with, it's a condition called uterus didelphus. So there are heaps of different varieties of it. Like they may be, there's other ones that are like not joined together or they have like a septum going across the bottom. So like like where your vagina is and, you know, some women have to get the wall removed. Um, so basically mine, so normal on the outside, <laughs> but as you go in through the opening, there's like a normal, like a main hole. And then there's one off the main entrance. Yeah, a main (laughs) entrance. (laughs) Um, And then another entrance off to the left. So that's my second survey. So there's a bit of a double tunnel situation going on. Yeah. So it's why like the second time to to like went up the different tunnel. (laughs) And hence why when you put a tampon in, it was probably just up the one and then the other one was still flowing. Yes. So that... I need two yeah. tampons basically, which. I'm like, whoa, that's so cool. I know. I should have bought. It's really hard to navigate though. Like you'd be like, is it the, the right, like, you know, like finding the right angles and stuff would be hard. It was very hard. You you had to do a lot. Like, yeah, you had to, I mean, I'm used to it now. Like now I'm just mm-hmm. like, 
she's in there. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. Like it was, that was a lot. Um, so basically mine, so yeah, you've got the main tunnel and then you've got a second tunnel and then basically, so there's a wall in between them and there's a wall going up through the uterus as well. So basically when you're born, you are obviously, there's nothing developed. So you just all together. When I grew my uterus and cervix, it just developed a wall going down the middle. So they, yeah, they are conjoined. And then I have a fallopian tube on each uterus and then an ovary attached to each. So um yeah so it's more so that one split into two is that right like yeah. the walls grown be- between it so it feels yeah. like you've got two but it's probably just the one that's developed if that yeah so they're just sense. like I think my so my right one is a bit bigger than the left one. Oh, okay interesting yeah and, yeah okay and do you find that it is it quite painful when you are around your menstrual cycle or when you're having you know, sex and stuff like that because it is a bit more congested in there. Like, there's a lot more. Um. So with the with the main one, that's what I call it. The main one and the other one. <laughs> that's the sidekick. Yeah, the sidekick. I like that. Um. Yeah. So with the main one, that one's okay. Like it's after a bit, it's fine. Um. But the the sidekick one, that one really does hurt. It's like yeah. off on an angle. Yeah, Yeah. I guess like when your bladder and everything gets full, like everything or like, you know, when it's around that time of the month, everything's a bit swollen. Yeah, Yeah, and and I do get pretty painful periods. So some months are worse than others. I think it might also come down to my diet around that time because Mm -hmm. there's been months, probably a lot more recently, that my diet has been really shot. And I, oh, I mean, who has a good diet around their cycle? <laughs> exactly. Like, who actually has self control? Like, yeah, I, I'm like, I'm eating healthy, and you know, my body's a temple. And then all of a sudden, I am, I see chocolate and like two blocks and, down. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, and then and you know, it's not the best decision, but you just can't stop. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It's it's a tough one. So, but it's and I was questioning there for a while, like maybe I have endometriosis because it was so painful, like in a fair few of the areas that, you know, um, you do get pain. So basically um, I do have the right amount of kidneys and over, and I have a set of ovaries. So all that is normal. Um, so yeah, I got off the pill in February in 2016. So at the time, um, we we're getting. I was getting married with my partner at the time as well, so we were just like, okay, after the wedding, we'll really try for a baby. We were ready to conceive, but we just wanted to get married first. And as I hear on this podcast all the time, you think you're just gonna have sex one time, and you and you're there. You're gonna. And I thought I had double Honestly. the chance as well. <laughs> yeah. I, so. Did they say that to you that you would sort of have more of a chance? Does that, is well, that even a thing? I mean, because like if the embryo or, well, the little, I'm um, speaking IVF terms because that's just been embedded in my yeah, brain the last yeah. like 12 months. Yeah. But so um, the little egg and sperm, like, do they have two little pathways they can go up or does it that in fact make it harder for them to go and implant on your uterus? Well, it just depends. Like, so I'll get into it a bit more like down the track of okay, the podcast. So jump in the no, here. that's okay. But I'll just say like, <laughs> If you, say, are having sex in, say, my right or my main cervix, like an uterus, then I could be dropping an egg in my left, but it's only staying in the left. So my egg and the sperm may not be connecting. So you're like, it's like what could happen, like in an I ideal for me at the moment world would be you know I could fall pregnant in my left and I could also fall pregnant in my right at the same time but they're not be twins oh. that makes sense yeah wow or if I'm ovulating and I fall pregnant in my right and if I'm ovulating a month later in my left and that meets the sperm then it could be like a month apart in pregnancies if that makes sense Wow. Is that really dangerous though to have like um, if you were say six months with 
baby in, say, main uterus, and you then fell pregnant, like that would probably, would that work? Or is that like quite dangerous and high risk and they wouldn't advise that? I, I Yeah, I don't think that they would advise it. And I don't think it would be very safe. I think it would be awfully un- uncomfortable as well. Could you imagine being yeah. pregnant for like how many months? <laughs> like 14, 15 yeah. months at a time. Um, I think it has happened. I'm Wow. I think it has I'm happened. I'm surprised but... that your body doesn't just like stop like ovulating if you already are pregnant. Well, yeah. I think mine I probably, does. I don't know enough about it. Not that not not pregnant, but my periods start at the same time and they finish at the same time and I'm pretty certain from all the tracking I've done that they potentially probably ovulate at the same time. So I don't I couldn't imagine them being separate if that makes sense even though they yeah. are yeah yeah so i mean yeah, that's you're something... supposed to ovulate when you're pregnant technically mm. yeah like you think all the hormones would just stop even that other one you know whichever one it isn't in like connected to yeah you would you think that your body would just stop producing the hormones that produce the egg and all that jazz i'll let you know if i fall pregnant <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um all right. And so, yeah, I went, once I found all that out, um, my doctor obviously wanted to do a pap smear on both because the left one had never had a pap smear. Um, so I was referred to a gynecologist at the Redlands and I actually had to go in for a sedated pap smear because when I had gone in to get that done, I had about 10 different different people poking and looking at my vagina <laughs> and that was yeah it become very un- uncomfortable and I like I tried to show them because I found it <laughs> after like my appointment with my doctor and so I tried to show them where it was um, but yeah no one could find it so I went under and under like a sedated pap smear and had that done um, so then yeah we went off and got married and everything like that and then afterwards we were like yep we're gonna start trying properly and like then we started we got referred to a fertility specialist at the MATA and it was all through the public system so time went on pretty quickly and we got tests after tests done um I had found out that I had um low AMH so the egg count so that was really low and I had an overactive thyroid. So they had to put me on thyroxine, I think it was, medication to get that under control. Um, and they basically said with my egg count to try and have kids before I was 30. So what was, was your level? Do you know? I don't remember it at that point, but I have since found out about it in the last year or six months. What so how old were you when they told you that your AMH was low? I was 22. Yeah, wow. So you would think like typically people think the younger you are, the higher your egg count is, which through this podcast we're finding out that that's, I guess, not as common as people think. Yeah. Um, did you think that it wouldn't be an issue being so young? Look, I've always been like a glass half full kind of person and I have always been a positive kind of person. So I was like, yeah, I have time. I have time. We'll get the ball rolling, you know, like we just got married. So we were enjoying that. Um, But then I kind of like with all fertility things, I I get obsessed. I mean, as we all would. And then I, yeah, I don't know, like our bodies and our minds are such crazy things. Like we set ourselves up for so much excitement and like, this is going to happen. This is my month. This is, this is it. Like we're getting the help (laughs) Um, and then we're disappointed. And then we go through that cycle over and over again. Um, So I wasn't, since I got off the pill, sorry, in 2016 so at the very beginning I got two periods after that and then I wasn't getting periods at all so and that was to do with my thyroid that was out so time had passed um I wasn't getting regular periods for almost a couple of years and 
I was about to go on climate and I think that was at the end of 2017. But by that point, so our by my marriage was very, very rocky and it was partly to do with this as well, but there was a whole lot of other things, but that is a whole different story. <laughs> um, and I thought it was not fair to bring a child into the world in a rocky relationship I think at the start I was like oh no a baby will make it better like yeah they grow up (laughs) yeah a lot of people do think that because you think like it's going to bring us together when it actually in fact is probably more stressful and you know you get sleep deprivation and I feel like it's not really the saving grace that people think it is it's definitely important to I guess work on that relationship and then bring a baby into it yeah it so much more yeah exactly and look we did try very hard for very for a while um I think it I won't get into it but I think it was already gone a long time before that um and yeah like I said it wasn't fair to bring a child in just because of how much I wanted a child um you know I was I felt very alone and you know he wouldn't even do a sperm sample because his words were my issue, so it wasn't his. Um, so in January 18, I left and I was like, I'm not going to be getting with anyone else. Like, it's great, boys. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I met my partner now that I have, Dean, um, and he was way too amazing and I could not let him go. He liked <laughs> to think that I chased him, but I, I'll put it out there, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah so obviously we weren't trying straight up we were enjoying each other's company um and after a few months of us being together um my breasts were lactating like completely lactating and I went to the doctors got tests done and um, found out that my prolactin levels were high so um him and I moved over end of 2018 in at to Springfield Lakes so we moved in together um, and once we settled in um, I found a local doctor and she's been absolutely amazing and she referred me to an endocrinologist um, and again it was through the public system I was like well we have time um, so in the meantime she gave me some medication that my body reacted really badly to like I was going to I couldn't drive to work but I was going and I had headaches and I was just completely out of it. So it's a kind of medication that they give to breastfeeding mothers when they want to stop. So it pretty much like stops them instantly. But yeah, I don't know. My body just did not react to it. Um, so about, so a lot of time had passed since then. And then we had been together for like a year and we were just like, it's going to be a long and tough process. So we were like, if it happens, it happens. Um, let's not try and prevent it because um, like I wasn't comfortable trying to prevent it because I was like, this is going to be a long process anyway. And knowing that your AMH was already lower, uh, I'm sure you had that in the back of your mind. Absolutely, of, you know. everything. And him and I were on the same page, completely honest, like, and like even I still literally feel the same way I do about him to this day then. I did at the start like it's just it's crazy when you find someone that you just connect so well with you're like it's just easy and you just know yeah so yeah yeah um and then so basically um I was I got into the endocrinologist about a year after being referred so it was about March or so of last year and she had me do an MRI and like more tests. And then I was diagnosed with um, a condition called hyperprolactinema. And I also have or had a benign microadenoma um, on my pituitary gland. So that was about three mil. So with the hyper, I can't even say it properly, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, hyperprolactinema. Um, basically with that it just means like the pituitary gland or it's running too high Um, so that brings on infertility the lactation and absent period painful and uncomfortable intercourse 
dryness and a really low libido and overeating and all that kind of fun stuff, which I had no idea I had. And so this obviously had nothing to do with the sec- the two uteruses and cervixes. This is a completely different um, yeah, completely like, different. <laughs> it's so lucky you. You're like, not only do I have this other thing to com- like compete with, I've now got all these other things. Like, it's not fair. Like, honestly, yeah, it feels yeah. like there was a lot of roadblocks. Like, and yeah. I feel like I was very naive, and I was very just like, I'll be able to do this. It's fine. It's my body. Like, it'll get me through. <laughs> I'm still young and, I, you know, I want a baby so it'll just happen. Like, yes, there's setbacks and doctors would have been telling you certain things. But, again, you kind of go, you kind of listen to them, but you're like, oh, we've got this. You know, this is, yeah, like you said, you kind of just cup half full. You've always got to think positive. You're not thinking, oh, my gosh, this is going to take us down this crazy road of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, like, you know, I was already, like, dealing with a divorce and, like, moving house and it was it was a lot, like, at the time. So I didn't want to put on the extra pressure of going, all right, Dean, let's go try right now. <laughs> so, and he was also taking it on as well for, to support me. So there was a lot there. Um, but. After taking, oh, and the pituitary gland, like the microadenoma, that's just like a little blob, like a tumour um, on that gland. So that was that was all right. I got medication um, to help with that and also to bring my levels down. So at this point I said to my endocrinologist, I was like, we're actively trying, we're, let's get the ball rolling. Um you know, I had, I was becoming regular with my periods, um, but still after no months, like I was, I'd never got a pregnancy test that is positive ever. I've never seen a pregnancy test that's positive, which has been the, probably the toughest thing, especially when you see everything running normal. Mm, yeah. Especially when they kind of, if they're kind of saying, oh yeah, everything's looking so good. And then, you know, and you do like, it's like, it's like that month where you don't see that negative uh, we, you see a negative pregnancy test, it's still a loss because you've, like, since whatever, 2016, you've wanted a baby and you've had all these obstacles and now you're still seeing a negative pregnancy test. It's just like, oh, my God, like, it's it's heartbreaking yeah, for anyone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it is. But, you know, then my levels were perfect. They were really good. Mm-hmm. My um, So I had, like, another one, a follow-up a year later and another MRI and the tumour had shrunk and she was really happy with that Um, and my levels were perfect so we agreed that I would stay on that medication on just the dosages that I'm on because they yeah it wasn't moving which is good Um, in all that time though in that year I had started like a small side hustle we built a house so financially at that point in time IVF just wasn't an option Um, I felt I also felt really ashamed of even the thought of going through IVF though. Like there's such a stigma around that and all there was before I started listening to your podcast. (laughs) No, I felt the same way. I remember when they told me pretty much that I'd only be able to conceive through IVF. I sort of felt like the option had been taken away from me. Like like it's, yeah, an option to people anyway. But um, yeah, it was really hard and it was mainly around. And at first we were like, we're not telling anyone, like, you know, felt very ashamed and now I just think like wow how naive was I or sheltered yeah Yeah. you know like but it's even like you go to parties or friends places or something and then everyone's like oh when are you gonna have a baby and you're just like um people need to stop asking that or like or you know the thing that annoys me the most is like they're like oh you're next surely you're not far off and you're like yeah doll I've been trying to buddy I'm, I'm pretty far years. off actually <laughs> yeah 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 like if you had any idea <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so it's there's a massive shame behind it and even having to even talking to people about it it's like you can see their eyes light up and it's just like because you know a lot of people have sex and they can conceive and yeah, yeah I mean which I don't feel that way now so Around that same time, like after starting my business and moving out like into our own place, um, my mental health went downhill so far. 
because I was obsessing. I was hearing about pregnancies all like whenever you open your social media, all there is is gender reveals or pregnancy reveals. And I would just cry. Like if someone told me that they were pregnant, I, I would leave it. I'd go and have my big cry. And then I would come back and be like, I'm really happy for you. Congratulations. Like that's super exciting. It's not that I wasn't happy for them or that I was wanted to be cold towards them because that's exciting for them. But I just had to have my cry. <laughs> You're grieving what you essentially don't have. And at this point you feel like, you know, you you get you get so detached from the process you almost feel like is this ever going to be my reality? And like, not like, you know, like, like you said, you're a positive person. And I think all us three are positive people. And we always think, you know, you know that you'll be a mom one day, but when you're in that really, like you said, um, bad mindset, you're feeling depressed, you're feeling down. It's really hard to imagine that you will get your little baby and your little miracle. And you kind of just feel like, you know, yeah, like you want it so bad, but you're like, is this even going to happen for me? Cause you know, all these people around me, it's happening so quickly and easily for them maybe it's not meant to be, you know, you start thinking all these messed up things, which is we know now, like it's not, you know, because we're in a better headspace. But I think that's another thing people, you know, who don't struggle need to understand that, you know, yeah, it really is. Yeah. Unless you go through it, you can't feel it. And like, you would never, like you said, you're so happy for them and it's the best thing ever. You honestly, you would never take that moment away from them, but it cuts you like a knife. Oh gosh. And it's more than just having like a baby in your tummy. Like there's so many other things that come with infertility, like, you know, your self-worth and, you know, just the way that you think about yourself and not being capable. So I think a lot of people sort of forget those parts as well. Like the body changes, like when, you know, you're hormonal and you're trying different things and you're like, there's so many things that you have to deal with. Yeah, exactly. And like, it's when people, I mean, and it's only natural and I'm sure when I fall pregnant, I'll do the same thing. But when people like whinge about their kids, I'm like, mate, I want that. (laughs) I want my kid to piss me off or like, you know, but I mean, like I said, I'm sure when I have a kid, I'll be like, go away. (laughs) But yeah, it's just, I think it's until you go through it, no one understands your your feelings and you're allowed to feel the way that you feel and people say oh it'll happen or just don't stress about it it's just like I go through a cycle of not stressing and then I'm stressing and then I'm heartbroken and then I'm happy and it's yeah it's tough but yeah so when I went through my stage of being oh it was horrible I I started like I was really overeating stopped exercise and I because I was running boot camps as my side hustle, I felt like the biggest fraud because I was like, I'm not doing anything, but yet I'm training these people, these ladies and trying to get them, like trying to convince them like, you know, change your life for the better and, you know, feel good. And I couldn't even do my that myself. And I felt like my I was letting myself down. My body was letting me down. I felt like I was letting my partner down. Like I got into such a stage where I was like, I, I understand if you want to leave me. But I know that that was very selfish and I should never have said that. But I didn't want to stop him from maybe never having a child. And I'm glad that he didn't take that opportunity to leave because that would have broken me. So I just, it's hard to get out of the mentality, especially when you're when you're living it. So like I said, I got an MRI a year later. Everything was fine The um, tumor shrunk and they, they were all happy with my results. Um, I started acupuncture, so fertility acupuncture. Um, and that was probably when I was in at the lowest point of my mental health. Um, so my acupuncturist, Sinta, she is absolutely amazing. Like she, before going into anything fertility, she helped me work on like mental health um and like harming my anxiety um she always said to me that it would get worse or yeah worse before it got better and it absolutely did um my body was just completely depleted and I was completely drained like I my water intake was horrible like everything to do with my insides was just depleted um so she really helped me um get back on track so I was seeing her once a week and taking like her recommended supplements but 
She gave them to me gradually. Obviously, it helps with finances and then so I'm not like bombarding myself with all these supplements and trying to get into good habits and just so it wasn't so overwhelming. Um, And like she actually had a plan. So it was really nice to feel like someone actually cared um, and that was helping me get to where I wanted to be. Um, You know, she'd do check-ins with me um, to see how I was going because I felt like I was just putting it all onto Dean which I felt really bad for because he was also living it as well. Um, I can't say that I'm the best patient (laughs) because I kind of just go a bit rogue sometimes with acupuncture. Um, But, you know, I've kind of taken a break on like the whole temperature checking and just the whole process at the moment just because I haven't wanted to put all the pressure on myself. so we so I've been doing that, which has been really good. Um, I'm probably at the moment in the best headspace that I've been in in a very long time. Um, and I really can honestly say like I, this podcast has helped me so much. Um, and that's when I really decided to take a different outlook on everything like that and on everything oh, that's so going nice on. Yeah, like it's just you can't find this anywhere. So you know, you don't, you can't, you can't find stories and you can't, I don't know, like I can't go up to someone and go, hi, my name is Michaela. I have two vaginas and I like, it's nice to meet you. What's your story? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so it's nice to, I'm hoping that I can help someone with this. Um, oh, I have no doubt that you will like for sure. Like there'd be so many other women out there that feel like they can't really voice what they have or their concerns and, or that might suspect that they could have something similar. And I'm sure that this episode is, is going to give them some sort of guidance, whether they have it or not, but at least it's, it's, you know, something in, in that direction. Yeah, that's right. And like, like there is so many, so for my condition, there is so many like there's a couple of groups sorry out there which I have joined within the last six months or so so I'm probably going to post this podcast in that group (laughs) to see if I can help someone in there Um, actually I might um get you to send through the details of them if uh if you wouldn't yeah put them in the show notes just if anyone you know anonymously wants to go on there and add themselves without having to reach out and message us if they don't feel comfortable yeah absolutely no worries um okay so we decided um probably mid this year so Dean was getting a new job um so it was going to help us a lot better financially um so he moved there towards like in September so we're just like all right around July we're like let's go through IVF, let's just take a chill for the rest of the year and we'll just go where IVF takes us because we had no idea with my condition what was going to happen. We knew that it wasn't going to be like, okay, when do you want to come in for your appointment? And, you know, uh, we knew that there was going to be a process. So we went through First Step Fertility in Springfield. We had our initial appointment with the nurse and she went over IVF with us and how it all works and what they do in an ideal world for a person with a normal anatomy. Um, we met with the specialist and the first thing that he said to me is like, okay, this is going to be a very complex con- like situation. Um, you've got a, yeah, you've got a condition there. <laughs> so we knew it was going to be tough and he's like, we can go in blind and do the IVF, which we may not be able to do it through first step because we don't know what we're working with. So I don't know if you guys know, but first step is one of the bulk billing um, fertility clinics. So. Yeah, that was one of my second options um, if I couldn't get in with, with the one that I'm with now. So yeah, I have heard of them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. So yeah, we went through Dr. Astle and he's like, we can either go in blind and, you know, we can see how we go but like I said it may not be able to go through first step so ideally in an ideal world we would like I'd get a pelvic MRI and we'd do we'd put me under and we get like a go through a laparoscopy the hystoscopy a DNC flush out my tubes and a pap smear so 
we yeah wow that's a lot in one go it was yeah. it was it was a bit overwhelming but, I mean you'd probably rather it in one go rather than like okay so today you're up for a DNC tomorrow you're up for a laparoscopy oh, I'm sure they wouldn't do it that close yeah but yeah. like I mean at least you can sort of go in and then come out hopefully feeling clean and ready to go <laughs> I wish <laughs> no it was <laughs> so we I did go under for it um and I, I think it was about a week and a half ago, actually. So I went under. And so, because he was going to do the pap smears when I when we'd just gone in for an appointment for a consult. And then I think, yeah, he's just like, no, let's, if you want, we can do it all together. So then we're not doing it twice, basically. And is the pap smear just like a root because you're, you're due for one? Or is there, does he... Yeah, so I was due for one, but yeah, he wanted to do it like he wanted to do it while he was doing everything, and just so he knew exactly where my other cervix and everything was, um, and just yeah, just to get it out of the way while I was under. So, Doctor Astle, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. I was going to say before, um, because I went through first step fertility, um, Springfield, and Doctor Astle was also my um doctor but he does practice privately as well doesn't he with city fertility so did he do this all through city fertility or was he doing it still through through the bulk billing system yes so sorry he did say forget about first step for now yeah. this will just be through city like through his personal of company course. and this is the thing I think because everyone always asks me um, about the difference between bulk billing and private fertility like in that instance he is the same doctor you know at first step and then at private but with private they have so many other like they can do the laparoscopies they can do different types of IVF different genetic tests like they can do so much more so that's obviously why he was saying to you look you're, you're a little bit complex for a bulk billing service come across city fertility we'll see what we can do for you there and then was he going to maybe give you the option to go back bulk billing or was he kind of saying nah you need to kind of come through city because so, I think they kind of accept you don't they like with the bulk billing clinics like you kind of have to meet their criteria to a certain extent yeah that's right so just basically the most basic straightforward IVF yeah so any com like any complex IVF um or anatomies I guess um or you know it it basically has to be the most basic which is what they'll take so first step wouldn't have taken me on for such a complex procedure Yes. Um, so, yeah, he told me to, or sorry, told us <laughs> to forget first step fertility and just go with him just for that. So, obviously, that was a very, very expensive procedure because we had to pay for the, and I don't have, I didn't have private health. So, mum always told me get private health because <laughs> of your condition. So, um and I never listened to her obviously um but we do have it now but it didn't kick in for it won't kick in for like another eight or so months anyway so uh, that was a very expensive procedure um but that's okay it was worth it because they didn't find any endometriosis or any cysts um or anything like that and the pap smear was all good He's really happy with everything. So our next step is to go in within the next week and talk about what we're going to be doing next, Um, which we have a plan ourselves that we want to do. But I'll go back to, I do (laughs) apologise. When we first saw Dr. Astle, he sent us off for bloods and like a pee sample. Um, Dean had already gone and had his sperm tested. So his sperm is fine um, and that's all good there. Um, I also got an ultrasound as well. And when they were doing all those tests, that's when they found out, well, that's when he found out that my AMH was low. So I believe it is meant to sit between 6.4 and 70 is that right from memory I actually I don't know this but I don't know this, <laughs> this um, like they kind of show you a chart you they show you like a chart hey and then he shows you where you should be sitting and then obviously where you're actually sitting kind of thing well I'm sitting at 5.4 so I'm 
yeah, I'm lower than where like the where you're meant to be sitting in between, yeah. and it's such a big gap by the looks of it. <laughs> oh. But yeah, so what does he? What does that say? What is he thinking? Like when he says that to you, what does he follow that with? Like, is that something he's really concerned about, or is he kind of like, oh yeah, no, just letting you know, kind of thing? Or um, he no. said that that's going to be. It just depends on the quality. Like it just. Yeah. He said it's not impossible. Um. There's people with lower, like there's, and, you know, hopefully um, if and when we do go through IVF, we'll have good quality eggs. I'm really hoping, of course. Um, well, positive vibes. I feel like, you know, if that gets you through, then that's, you just got to keep thinking that. Because I feel like throughout this process, one thing I've learned is to not stress about the things that haven't happened yet because I feel like you just make yourself sick over something like some so many times I've been like thinking it's the end of the world and then I'm like oh that actually wasn't that bad I'm yeah no fine on the other other side of this so well you don't feel like you're gonna get through it all but you do because you have to (laughs) um yeah exactly it's so that recovery for me of the most recent surgery that was like an eye I only had an incision through my belly button and I had one down lower um, and that was where the drain was. So I didn't realise how puffy I would get and how uncomfortable it was going to be. So I spent my birthday in bed. <laughs> I did go out for lunch but I was very tender um, and in a and lot of pain. from the laparoscopy or just from them doing a surgery? Is it just normal for you to get excess fluid oh it's I I think with the DNC they put the the gas in you I think it was a DNC or maybe it was it was one of them so they put they have to fill you with gas oh it's the laparoscopy is it because I yeah because I didn't get gas when I had my DNC but um I I do have a few friends that have had a laparoscopy and they said that even Crystal who was on one of our earlier episodes she said she got really bad shoulder tip pain because the gas is sort of like trapped in your body for a little while before it passes out yeah my shoulder didn't I did read that because obviously I doctor google everything um but I didn't get a sore shoulder but yeah my bloating like even my partner was like, your arms, your legs, like everything is oh, just. Wow. So your whole body, not yeah, just your like. Like my breasts. Mm-hmm. And then like my, this is TMI, but like my nipples were really like, they just, yeah, they wow. went really big and they were like really pointy and like everywhere was just so, I put on like three and a half kilos after that. Wow, just fluid. Yeah. So. So was that just draining out while you were in hospital or did you have to continue draining that when you went home as well? Um, So it just comes out naturally. So after about three days, it started coming out because it was just the gas. Um, They did have a drain, but when I was in the hospital, I couldn't breathe properly. And every time like I would move, like I couldn't, yeah, when I was breathing, it was really painful and it was because of the drain. And then when they pulled the drain out, that I don't have a high pain threshold, but when they pulled the drain out, it felt like all of my insides were going to be coming out with it. It was so painful. Um, and I didn't really know what to expect with it. I was So the doctor's like, oh, you'll be in a bit of pain for a few days and uncomfortable for, you'll be out for like a week. And I don't, deal well with pain I keep trying moving because I'm always so busy um I just I can't like I struggle to sit down (laughs) and yeah I just was trying to move after three days and I should have just listened to my body and yeah so I really did struggle with the um, recovery of it and it probably wasn't until Sunday where I just yesterday where all the pain had pretty much gone um but on uh, on Friday I so from my surgery sorry I was bleeding a bit like with the, just a pinkish blood um that comes with it and like it was it was consistent so on s- Saturday I had the biggest bleed it was really dark red and really clotty and thick and I was so upset because I'd never seen it like that before because I always wore tampons so I never really saw my the start of my period anyway that bad but it was never 
that bad, but yeah, that lasted about 24 hours and then it stopped and then I've just started bleeding again today. So I don't know if that's really normal. I don't, I think that could be from the hystoscopy because that's where they go up through the vagina. Mm-hmm. You do get bleeding after a DNC as well. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they say that you can bleed for up to two weeks after a DNC. On and off or two weeks in total? Um, I remember mine was like on and off, but I didn't have like too crazy. I expected it to be like a tap. I don't know why. Yeah, I think the thought of they go and scrape everything out, but it was, I would have heavier days and then lighter days. Um, so, but I would imagine because you yeah had the other procedures done, it's probably just all, you know, angry all up in there, like trying to heal and, but yeah, so for two weeks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause I thought it was my period. Like I thought that it had just come early cause they do say that it can come early, but yeah, it only lasted for a little bit, but then it's come back again. So I don't really and Are you in pain? Like, do you have like period type cramps or not really? Um, not really, not anymore. Um, I did. So my, like after I'm pretty sure I was ovulating just before my surgery. So after the surgery, I did get really sore breasts, like um, like I was about to get my period. Um, but, yeah, that's gone now. So I, I don't know. I'm just letting my body do its thing, really. Mm. But I mean, it's been through a pretty traumatic thing. Like I think we always have this expectation that we're going to like bounce back straight away and get, yeah. get straight back into it. And, you know, like it's just gone through so much trauma. Um and yeah, it does does take a lot longer for it to bounce back. Yeah, we think. Yeah, no, that's right. Did Doctor Did Doctor um say that he had come across um this before, like with the two uteruses, the two cervixes, or was he like was he kind of straightforward in saying like, cool, uh, you know, we get all the stuff sorted, make sure that's all good, but like is he talking about putting, you know, an embryo in a certain uterus or has he kind of, is that your next kind of visit to him and we'll find, you know, we'll find out all that information? Yeah. So he has seen it twice before. Mm-hmm. Um, he, not with IVF, so they're about to do IVF, but I'm pretty sure they got pregnant. I <laughs> said, I want to be one of those Ooh. people. <laughs> yeah, you um, might, next month, you might. You've all cleared out. You never know. Yeah, I'm hoping. Hopeful. Hopeful. Yeah. <laughs> so the next, yeah, the next step is to go through that. But I think what we'd do, I think our plan mm-hmm. is for the next couple of months, like just bef- like for this, en- coming out of this year, we're just going to go try natural another couple of months and then next year, if it doesn't happen, then go full steam ahead, either IUIs or IVF and see how we go with that. So, yeah. And are you ovulating fine and everything? So that's – is that not an issue? Yeah, so ovulating fine at the moment. Um, he said that we can also, if we wanted to, we can go in and I can go in for an ultrasound I think is what picks it up and we can pinpoint the time when I'm ovulating yeah and which which ovary it's going to ovulate yes that's what I was just going to say because that would be really handy because if you knew it was going to be the right or the left you could obviously try to have sex in that cervix area yeah exactly yeah yeah because that's the thing because when you were saying that earlier I was thinking oh my gosh that sucks because you literally have if you didn't know what side you mean you'd like you said you're literally 50 50 you know, like you're not even, yeah, like it would be so hard to know. But if they, if they did IUI, then they could sort of just direct it straight up into. Yeah, yeah. And I think that a, you know. that might be the plan that we go. I just, from, like I said before, at the moment, like I'm I'm in the best headspace that I've been in a very yeah. long time. And, I, and looking back at like everything that's happened in the last few years, like, I can see it. I would have, I don't know what I would have done if I had a fallen pregnant. I was in a terrible headspace. <laughs> like, just sometimes obsessed. there's a silver lining. I feel like when you look back and you're like, I always think about how much I've grown as a person and how different I am. And I'm like, wow, I'm actually grateful for, even though obviously it sucked at the time, I feel like I wouldn't really change it. Yeah, because you learn now. so much. Like, you learn so much about you and your partner and I don't know like it just Mm. it's made us a whole lot closer like he is the only one that like I can really really 
go to and talk to about it. Like I can talk to my friends about it, but like he knows what I'm going through because he's going through it as well. And yeah, I don't know. It's been nice doing it together. Like he hasn't made me feel alone at all. Like it's very interesting because like what you said earlier, I know your first marriage broke down for other reasons as well, but I completely agree with you. Like I feel like if you go through something traumatic in your marriage um, or in your relationship with your partner, it's either going to make or break you. If you're meant to be, it'll make you stronger. If you're not meant to be, it'll pull you apart. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing if you're coming through the other side or if you're even just still in your journey and, you know, you're stronger than ever. It's just like, it's a, yeah, I think it's, you know, if anything, um, you know, that's such a win in itself because a lot of people can't say the same. So that's, yeah, and your, your partner seems, yeah, incredible. Oh, yeah, he really is. Like I've never, like I, I wouldn't be with me. <laughs> With no, my stuff. <laughs> no, he's he's a good egg. I got very very lucky, and that's what I mean. Like I couldn't pass him up, <laughs> even though it was yeah. so soon. So can I just say though, if you've gone through what you have gone through, and you've also gone through, you know that surgery that sounded very quite, you know, full on. I think you would ace IVF. Just FYI, I mean, oh, really? obviously, oh yeah, oh, baby. <laughs> As in, I honestly think that. IVF for me was honestly, if I could just like help somebody else out there make, make like it's, I, like I said, the stigma around it and that everyone, you know, thinks it's this big thing. And I know it's not ideal, but IVF literally was for me a walk in the park. And I was very blessed, you know, that it did happen first time, my first transfer. But, um, you know, I just feel like, yeah, you'd be fine. You've struggled so much and you've been through such a rocky journey. Mm. And even that, like, you, you know, I'm sure that surgery you just had probably the recovery is like, you know, so everyone's different, but I just, I reckon you'd be fine. Not to say you should do it, but, you know, you said you were a little bit worried about it. I think honestly you'd, you'd Yeah. Know. Yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been, it's been a journey. I actually went and saw a psychic. Oh. Um, a few, well, no. How long ago was that? A month ago now. And she she said April next year. So she's like, conceive April next year to be a double celebration. And I thought she was talking about twins, but I think she was talking about Easter and and falling pregnant. So I'm like, hey, if it's not real, it gives me something to hold on to at least until oh. April. <laughs> yeah, I hope. I love that. There'll be eggs for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Around. I love that. Oh, I love it. I love it. Oh, yeah. so good. Well, yeah. you have literally taught me so much. And whilst um we were on this um recording, I was also googling like the woman's anatomy because I already see, obviously I know what it looks like and what it is, but I wanted to refresh my mind when you were explaining it. So I had my like little Google up and I was like, oh wow, okay, so I'm imagining like a wall down here, like like you know, a yeah, divide and I'm visualize like, it. I was like I was fully visualizing and I was getting so into it. Like, I love yeah. that. <laughs> That's so good. I'm glad. Thank no, you. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It you know, I a lot of people wouldn't be able to do it and yeah, we appreciate it so much and I'm sure there's other people out there that appreciate it so much. Oh, as well. thank you. I hope so. If I could give any bit of information, <laughs> it would be if you do find out, tell someone, tell your mom. Like I'm pretty sure I told my mom like after I found out about my cervixes art like when I was in my early early twenties. I don't know why I didn't tell her earlier. I know she wouldn't have judged me. Oh, and yeah. You know, I was so quiet about it, but now I'm like, I feel awkward telling new people about it, but I do, and I try and push myself to explain our journey because I'm like, if everyone can share their gender reveals, their pregnancies, their normal anatomy of infertility, why shouldn't I share mine? Like, Definitely. I feel like we're all perfectly imperfect anyway. Exactly. <laughs> everyone everyone has something something that they don't, you know, love about themselves. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. I and... think... Oh, so you go. Oh no, you're right, you go. I was just gonna say, are you comfortable if if anyone wants to reach out to you, we can link your um your Instagram as well, just in 
for questions or anything like that or yeah absolutely yeah definitely like this whole like I reached out to you girls and just all I wanted to tell you was to have or to keep going and that you guys are doing absolutely amazing and then I don't know I think I got (laughs) I was like I'm gonna go so far out of my comfort zone right Mm now and I just I want I my goal is for this to help somebody one person I think it'll really you'll you'll probably be surprised on how healing it would be as well like I remember when I was going to share my journey I felt exactly the same very like scared and worried and you know you, you think all these horrible thoughts in your mind but none of it actually ends up coming true and it's actually being such a positive you know like knowing you can help somebody else but also just speaking about it and getting it out there and putting it in the open because like you said, it's 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 your reality. You may as well, you know, we're living our own our own reality. We don't need to hide it. We should be able to kind of share it. So, yeah, we really really appreciate you coming on. And um, I actually am really really excited. You have to keep updating us and we yeah. can podcast or in our story yeah. or something. But yeah. on your journey and how it ends up going, because I honestly think even your pregnancy will be very interesting and probably birth. So yeah, and I will. Um, I think. Yeah, and I think it's also, like, I know that mine's not, or my journey is not like a happy ending where I've gotten the baby yet, but I just want to put it out there that I'm not giving up and I don't think that anyone in my position or in, like, there's and there's people that are worse off than I am and people that may be better off. It's just I'm not giving up and I don't think that anyone should give up either until, you know, you're exhausted. Or just never give up. <laughs> A hundred percent. I love that. Definitely. If you want, if you have always wanted to be a mother or have a, a child, I think just never give up no matter what. Yeah. And just make sure that support is around you. Like you should not have to go through it alone ever. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. Definitely. <laughs> thank you so much for having me on. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Just a reminder to everyone listening that we see you, we hear you, and that you are not alone in this. Yeah, and just remember, guys, head over to our Instagram at infertilityandbeyond underscore. Send us a message. Let us know what you thought of today's show, and all corresponding links will be in our show notes. All right. Until next time. See you guys. Bye.